Okay. So this is what everybody was waiting for from the beginning. Said, when are we going to get to the evangelism stuff? I hope you're not disappointed by the time you, you, you go through this. Because here's, here's the key. There's no such thing as a magic bullet. So I don't want you to think that, okay, now we're going to get to this new secret special model that the, the pastor has to get people saved. We don't have that. That, that doesn't exist. What, what our goal is in this, in this entire process is to, number one, be an encouragement to you to want to share the gospel. That's number one. Number two, the first five weeks, which will be in a printed format every time we do the workshop so that it'll be available for everyone. The first five weeks was to lay the framework so that what you come across in here will make more sense to you. Without that understanding, some of this, you'd go, man, that, that doesn't, that's nothing like anything I've been exposed to in evangelism. That was the point. We're in a different place now. We're in a different world. So our goal here now is to help you feel comfortable, to give you some things that will anchor you into a way for you to be able to communicate the gospel now having understood, at least at a very basic level, as a nation where we were, currently where we are, and then obviously where we're heading. And that, that hopefully convinced you that the old way of doing evangelism, for the most part, it doesn't, it, it's not going to work well. It can work. It can work for some people, and God can use anything. But for the bulk of people, it, 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 it doesn't make any sense anymore. They don't, they don't live in the world that we live in. They don't have the categories of, of, in language that we have. We used to look at life through a biblical worldview. We don't do that anymore in this nation. We have a multiplicity of worldviews. So how, how do you possibly explain your worldview to someone who doesn't have any idea what you're talking about. So the first few weeks, that was the goal. And obviously, you, you can't learn enough in a couple sessions. I mean, this is to encourage you to, if you're really serious about sharing the gospel, to, to continue to learn and to study and to grow and, and to, to see new ways to connect with your audience. Now it's, it's kind of the nuts and bolts of the evangelism, but again, it's not a program that necessarily to say, okay, here, go do this, and, and you're going to get people saved. It's a framework to help encourage you and to help get you to a place of understanding how to connect with this culture, an, un, an unchanging message with a continually changing culture, okay? And, and one other announcement, I, I don't... I didn't make any announcements. One announcement, if, if you're not aware, this Saturday is a big night for us, for the church. And um, we want all of you to come if, if you can. It's the, the cross softball cookout. It's the church-wide cookout. It'll be a really great opening night ceremony again. This is our seventh year doing it here in this church. It's about our 25th year doing it in the community. But Dr. Ron Kovac will be throwing out the first pitch. Joe Miller will be catching it. The girls from the praise team on Sunday morning will be singing the national anthem. They'll cook out lots of activities for the kids. There'll be balloon artists for the kids and just snow cones and 
cotton candy. Just a really great night. So we'd love you to come, please. Uh, it's going to be a really, really neat night. It's a great night of fellowship for the church. This Saturday, two blocks south and two blocks west. It's not here. Two blocks south to Deerfield Beach Middle School. If you need any more information, let us know. Wayne and his team will be doing nothing to bring. This isn't one of our picnics. We're going to have another picnic coming up. We'll tell you more about that soon. But this is just a cook. They're going to do all the cooking. And so it's real simple. Hot dogs, hamburgers, some bags of chips and drinks, and we're just going to hang out in fellowship. And then there'll be popcorn, snow cones, and cotton candy. Okay? Saturday night. Looking forward to that. It's going to, you'll get another um, email blast on that. All right. Here we go. DMD. Ready? DMD. We were calling it Discipleship Explosion, right? You're familiar with Evangelism Explosion. We're sticking right here with just the DMD for now. It's not another program, Evangelism Program, to learn. What is it? It is a process to live in loving relationships with others. For the most part today, in order for you to even get to a place of being able to share the gospel, you're probably going to have to have some kind of a relationship with people. That's just the reality of it today. You can run into people and you can tell them they're sinners in need of a Savior and see how well that goes. But you can do that. But for the most part, it's really going to be... Evangelism today, for those who are really out in front of it, we look at it this way. Where evangelism could be a real single event in the past, it's hard for that to be a single event today. It just It's a much longer process to take people through. And the process, listen, is designed to help you answer your call with the goal of God-glorifying conversion. So the goal is to get people converted. We're going to give you a neat formula for you to help remember the basics of what you'll... You don't have to memorize Scripture, but it would be good for you to know some of the basic Scriptures, right? When When you're going to be talking through things with people. But here's the foundational verse. Take a look at Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel because the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. The Greek word dunamis, this is a key word, means power, ability, and strength. Take a look at the picture of it. That's where we get our English word dynamite. Now, I don't want you to think it's from like blowing people up. But what it does is it, 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 it kind of, you can use it, from the, it blows up the, the self that's rooted in, in sin. That's the power. It, it, it's able to extract you, right? You think of that dynamite that just, boom, it just it, it blows that sin nature up. It frees you at some level at the beginning from the bondage to sin, Satan, and, and ultimately death. So there's the picture. Power, dunamis is the Greek word, something for you to remember. Just know that... In remembering that, the power lies where? In your ability to communicate? No. No. So you don't know what, you don't have to know what to say or what not to say. The power is in the message. I can tell you some weeks, hold off for a second, Dave. I can tell you some weeks I've come out of the pulpit and I thought, man, this is just, this really fell flat. And it seems like inevitably on those weeks I'll get a text or something. And then some mornings I'll come out of the pub and go, man, I feel like I hit that one out of the park. <clears throat> and my wife will keep me in place and keep me in check. And say, you didn't hit it quite that far, poppy. What's the point? It has nothing to do with us. Nothing. I don't speak well, Moses says. I'm not an eloquent speaker. Who made the mouth? <laughs> 
They're nothing to do with us. We get attached to certain personalities, right? And people, you know, I like the way this guy or this woman or that. That's, that's not the gospel. You have the power in you, if you're his, to share what he's given to you. You have it. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need special training. You just, you have that. So keep that in, in view, okay? Moving on. But how? Here's the question, right? How do we share this power of an unchanging message in an ever-changing world that is growing spiritually but dying biblically. Remember, the culture seems to be growing spiritually. There's a lot of spiritualists out there. Everybody seems to be spiritual today. Remember, if you go back, remember when we talked about the different ages, right? We're not going back to the prehistoric, but we're going back to you know modern and postmodern. In the modern age, there was really no spirituality. You kind of got freed from that. You got freed from the from the 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 superstition of, of believing in the supernatural. So that's what rational thought was designed to get you to be able to rise above that. And then when we went through World War I and II, we realized rational thought wasn't the ultimate answer. That didn't work. So you get yourself now into a, a, a context of postmodern, postmodernity, where... Rational thought didn't work, so we're going to go back to the supernatural. But what does that mean? could mean anything. They're clearly dying biblically, even in the church. Biblical illiteracy in the church is overwhelming. I don't know if you're aware of that. But very few people in the church have any idea what, what, what's really in the Bible. I mean, most people, many people have never read the whole Bible. Never read it. I know I'm not speaking to any of you. I know that. But many have never read it. Couldn't tell you much about Old Testament history and the prophets and you know, what the whole thing is kind of all about. And, and so even in the church, we have, a, you know, we have a, a job ahead of us to let people know what, what the scriptures teach. So we're growing spiritually. Here, here's the key. We cannot invite an Act 17 culture. Now, see, that wouldn't have made any sense to you if you hadn't gone through the first few weeks. What was the Act 17 culture? Those were the pagans. Remember that? Remember on Mars Hill? Remember Paul? And again, I don't really have a, 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 a design on when we start and stop. We're going to stop at 25 after, wherever we are in the PowerPoint. It's like 100 PowerPoints by the time we get to the end. So we're just going to run through this until we get to the last week. We'll go as far as we can. We can go slow. We can go fast. But we'll pause a little bit because you have a background now. He spoke to the pagans, the Greeks. So you can't invite, an, you can't invite a Greek to respond to an Act 2 message. What was the Act 2 message? Peter preached at, say, Pentecost. So who was Peter preaching to at Pentecost? People that were biblically literate, right? They understood the Hebrew Bible. So the problem today is what? We have a, we have a culture that really has no frame of reference for these four major categories. And this is what you need to remember. Anchor yourself into the four categories. What are the major categories? Creator God, fall of man, promise, Savior, and kingdom of heaven. There's the key, and you can take your notes. And, and again, when we start doing this as a workshop, we'll get it all printed for you. We have a workbook uh, that it'll all be in as well. So you'll have all that. But you can take your notes now too, which is helpful. That doesn't exist, that framework. The categories are gone. As D.A. Carson would say, we don't have these categories anymore. How do you talk about sin when they have no understanding of what the fall of man is? They know something's wrong, but they don't know how it went wrong they, they don't have a category they don't have a framework for for what went wrong how did the wheels come off the track we don't know 
It doesn't make sense to us. But we do know there's something wrong. So that as a framework, when Paul preached Peter's Pentecost sermon, the Acts 2 sermon, the Greeks responded with what? This is foolishness. You ready for this? A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with Paul. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? That's what they're going to say to you in their minds. What is this babbler saying about a sinner in need of a savior? That doesn't make any sense to them. You're not speaking their language. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. They're going to say that. You're advocating for foreign gods. Who who is this God you're talking about? Remember what Schaefer said in 1980? He was at a conference with C. Edward Koop. Remember remember the quote from Schaefer? Some of these things you want to anchor into your memory. What did he say in 80? There will come a day in the very near future where young adults won't know a single historical aspect about Jesus Christ. Nothing. We're there. We've arrived. That was in 80 when he said that. People thought he was being... You know how you make these kind of, you know, people today, you make these kind of crazy statements just to get people's attention? Ravi Zacharias tells in, in, in one of his books, Why Jesus, I think. Ravi says, I just thought he was just trying to be, get attention, just, just make one of the, he says, man, he was spot on. Here we are, 40 years later. Most people have n- no understanding of that. So, He seems to be advocating for God. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They have to have a framework. So here we go. You ready? So instead of starting with a sinner in need of a Savior, we start at the beginning of the story of creation when God said all that he had made and it was very good. Genesis 1.31. Okay, so pause for just a moment. You can't start in the garden unless, right, unless you have somebody who's a Jew. Jewish, they have a framework, right? If you start with a sinner in need of a Savior and you tell them that Jesus died for your sins and they have no concept of the sacrificial system, 1,500 years of Old Testament history in Israel, it doesn't make, it's incoherent. What do you mean? I don't understand why he died for me. It doesn't make any sense. You see how it fits together? You have to go back. Why is it really good to go back to Oh, man. There's going to be so much we can't talk about and stuff you're just going to have to figure out on your own. And, and then we'll do workshops together and we can sit and we can talk more. You're going, to, you're going to figure out some stuff that you're going to be able to connect with people at such a deep. What does everyone know by, by, by way of, 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 of deep heart longing? Everyone knows this. There's something somewhere that's better than where we are today. There just has to be that someplace. It has to exist. There's this deep long. You think back to some of your own memories in your own families. If you're an adult right now, you're a parent. You remember growing up in your own family. If you didn't have a really bad childhood, you had a regular upbringing, and you think about holidays, you think about certain things, you think about those things that you long for and go back to, it's taking you to, a, to something that's inherently inside of you because you're made in the image of God. See, that's what you have that, that they don't know. You have that advantage. 
They have longings that you know they have, whether they acknowledge them or not. We long for that place back in the garden. The only, the only difference is we're not going back to the garden. We're going forward to a perfect paradise. So you have that advantage. So we have to go back and tell them, listen, there was a time when everything was really, really, really good. Even you. There was, there was no... And, and if you've spoken to them for a few minutes and you get a sense, maybe you know they tell you a little bit about their past. They'll tell you a hurt or two. You'll pick that up. Oh, I was really betrayed in, in, in a relationship that I had or, or growing up I really had this difficulty. with me. You'll be able to anchor that immediately into your conversation. So, oh, well, there was a time when there was no betrayal. There was no blame. There was no selfish ambition. Each lived for God and both lived for each other. See, that connects. Sinner in need of a Savior doesn't, but that connects. Really? I, I long for, no, I know why you long for that. We, we had that. We're all connected at the deepest level, okay? But because we fear rejection or being offensive, what has happened? Go. The Great Commission has become the Great Omission. Most people are just terrified today to talk about Jesus. What am I going to say? What am I going to say to them? I'll tell you, college kids today, strong Christian college kids today, they're struggling with the issue of speaking to some of their dear friends who are on the campus that we've told them, they understand biblically that their goal is to convert them to Christianity, and they're thinking in their hearts, this is crazy. I've got... Three of my best friends. One's a Buddhist, a Hindu, and a secular humanist. And they're all nicer and kinder than anyone I've ever met in the church. People I know in the church are mean and angry and narrow and bigoted. You want me to convert them to this? this these are real issues. This is, these are real talks. We talk to college kids all the time. This is real. I, I, I don't even want to convert them. It doesn't even make any sense to me. They're kinder than anyone I've ever met in, in, in church. And they really have a heart of love for people. We've got to change everything if we're serious about reaching the lost. So, disciples making disciples. Here's the promise of the workshop when we finally do it, you know, on a two-and-a-half-hour, maybe three-hour basis. However, I want to condense these things as short as we can make them. See, I won't talk like this in a, in a workshop. We're just going to boom, boom, boom. And I want all of you to be able to teach the workshops, right? You're going to all be facilitators. You've got to take this out with you wherever you go. You've got to know how to do it. You're all going to be facilitators. So you're just going to run through this stuff and connect at a heart level with people. So here's the promise of the program, right? The why, the what, the who, the when, the where, and the how. That's the promise of, of the workshop. You're going to get a basic understanding of the why of evangelism and the what. And then the who and the when, and the where, and the how. Okay? Let's keep moving. What's the why of evangelism? Really simple. You already know this. It's commanded by God. Matthew 28. This is called the Great Commission, right? I don't need to read it to you, do I? You know the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples. There it is. So it'll help us move along a little bit more quickly. That's, listen, that's not a command that was given to just your pastor. That's not... A command just to me, and I'm going to show you in a moment. You're going to see deeply, because I hear that from people all the time. Well, that's your job. All right, you're right, it is. 
But I'm going to show you something else in a moment. Compelled. So we're not only commanded by God. Listen to this. We're compelled by love. Ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You are supposed to have a cross-shaped life. A cross-shaped life. Why did we, remember we talked early on the first week, I think, why we named the church the cross? There's a reason for it. Everything that we do is intentional. We don't just make this stuff up. It was in, it's a picture of the life we're supposed to be living if we're serious about being what God has called us to be, the cross. Vertical, loving the Lord, but you can't stop there. A lot of people have, have a, do pretty good there, and they do a really bad job horizontal. And then you have a lot of people do a really good job horizontal and, and have no idea who God is. No, 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 no. Got to have both, okay? And then, of course, Christ's love compels us, 2 Corinthians 5.14. So that, that's, that's, that's the beginning, right? So now we go to the what of evangelism. Here's, here's the what. Now, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something to anchor into, okay? But this is for you. It's not for you to be running around town using these hand signals to people to get, get them saved. But this is for you, okay? So, we're gonna, and, and we're going to show you. We're going to put this like one of these cheers. David was showing me some, some stuff on the on the internet. We're going to put this into a cheer. We start doing it as workshops, and and we're going to we're going to. But that's for later. But for now, okay? Ready? Everybody, go like this. Everybody go like this. What is this a uni- theoretically in most cultures? What is this a universal symbol for? Okay, go. There's your first symbol. Okay, all good. The paradise. You ready? God created a paradise for his image bearers, that's you, to live in and have dominion over without any what? This is where you can connect at a heart level. There was no sin or sorrow or sickness. Maybe you're dealing with somebody whose, whose mother just got diagnosed with cancer. There was a time when there was none of that. I just had a loved one who passed away. That wasn't there. Hunger and, and hurting and hopelessness and disappointment and despair and death. Everything was what? Put it up. All good. That's your first anchor. So in evangelism, you may have to spend months there. In your relationship over meals and fellowships and I don't know. you got to figure it out when you're talking to people. But we have something that they don't understand. We have a worldview that makes sense out of the reality of the world in which we live in. Because even though it's all messed up out there, you know that there's something you long for that you couldn't make up on your own. You long for this place. You long for happily ever after. You know that you do. How could you think about this? You ever said to somebody, you ever said this, ever said this? Husbands and wives, I'll love you forever. Right, Mark said that? He said to your wife. Why? Because deep down you believe that, that there is a forever there somewhere. It, it, you you, you haven't even thought through it, but you, it's there. It has to be there. Why? It's how God made you. He made you to last forever. So, all good. Ready? And I don't know how far we're going to get. We may only get one more. What's this the universal sign for? All right. Okay, ready? So, right here, all good. So, here we do it with two hands, right? We go, all good, all bad. Ready? All bad. Now, something happened. Something happened on the way to glory. 
All bad. And this is the problem. So we have, par- we have the paradise. Now we have the problem. But mankind had a better idea. Not being satisfied, being made in the image of God, they wanted to be just like God. So instead of living for the glory of God, they chose to live for the glory of the self. And in the words of one of my seminary professors, who now is in glory, in that paradise, Dr. Sproul, they plunged. He, I remember him saying in class, Tommy, Tommy, fall just doesn't, doesn't get it. You trip and fall at home over a chair or something on a sneaker. A kid leave out a ball. That's not what happened. This is a plunge. They plunged everything into the abyss. What a powerful way of looking at it. So we went from all good to all bad. Everything has been ruined. Everything is broken. And no one will argue with you there. They'll argue how we got there. And most won't even have an argument because they have no idea. But universally, everyone generally will say this to you, especially if you're able to lead them in conversation lovingly. Well, nobody's perfect, right? That's universal. We know that. That isn't something we have to be taught. And you know, and we use this as an example, parents, parents that, how about, let me go younger parents who have smaller children right now, so that, because your memory is closer and fresher. Think back to the first time you saw that little toddler doing something that was not good. And you know you didn't teach that child to do that. Right? I remember coming home and seeing Brock, and I said, like, Kim, what are you teaching him when I'm gone? What are you doing here? I didn't teach him that. Somebody's got to, no, nobody teach. Nobody has to teach your child how to take stuff that doesn't belong to them. Nobody has, mine, mine. It's not yours, oh, mine. So we know that there's something that's wrong. It's universal. The universal cry. Everything is broken. Okay, Ready? We have this. Say it all. All. Now, now, now wait, 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 wait. Don't put it up. Wait, wait, wait. Let it go. Let it, take it off. Take it off. If you see on an athletic field, see a baseball player hit a ball out. Say, see a football player just score a touchdown. Uh, hockey player in the goal. Soccer player. Sometimes, not all, but sometimes you'll see them go like this. Right? What is that saying to you at some level? What is it saying? Something. Something up there, right? Something. They're acknowledging something above themselves. So we go from all good to all bad, and we use both index, point up to all paid. So we're pointing up above, which gets us what? Out of the realm of the physical, we're going up now to the spiritual and the supernatural. We have something that's all paid. Okay, what does that mean? Let's take a look. And I, Genesis 3.15, soon as the fall happens, what does God do? And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Do you know what that's called? The proto-evangelion. The first 
gospel presentation in the scriptures. Now, there was another gospel presentation, but we're not aware of it there. We've got to get into Hebrews to understand it. Hebrews 13, 20. John, you remember this when we first talked about it a few years ago and you commented on it. The, the blood of the eternal covenant. The promise of Jesus took place not in the garden, but in the eternal covenant of the triune God before there was ever anything that was created. So that instructs you to the level of, of realizing that what's happening now is not repair work. God ordains all things whatsoever shall come to pass. But in the, in, 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 for our purposes, our first gospel presentation happens right after the fall. So we have everything that's all good. We have everything that's all bad. Now we're getting to the place where everything is going to be all paid. Okay? Stay with me. For God so loved, John three sixteen the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That was helpful. Thank you, Polly. Everything was now all paid. Okay? So whether it has been paid for you or not at this point, whether you acknowledge or know it, or have, have come to a, a saving knowledge and understanding of it, it's all paid. When Jesus finished his work on the cross, he said, it is finished. So, all good, all bad, everything has been paid for. So in our process, not a program, but our process of being able to speak to people, we get them an understanding that everything was bad, and everything, everything was good, now everything was bad, but now everything was paid, and we get them to understand those three components... At a basic level, now we can do what? What's this to sign for? Got it? Watch. Oh, wait. we got to remember this. The gospel is not just a proclamation. It must also include an invitation. That's Dr. Kovacs' line. So remember, you have to invite. You can't just proclaim. You can't just say that you're, you can't just give all good, all bad, all paid. Now you have to invite. Would you like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Right, so now the invitation, and here it is. Let's pray. And then all we did is we put a sample prayer in there for you. And then the, the, the universal line, welcome to God's family of faith. So you understand, you understand the four-part formula. Now, it's, it, it, it's up to you. And you'll see later in the program, we have a lot of scripture verses that kind of strengthen your understanding of all good, all bad, all paid, let's pray. But that gives you the framework so that now in the back of your mind, if you're speaking to a Greek, you can't start in the garden with all bad. You have to go back further. The plot line of the gospel now has to drive you further back to the beginning where everything was good. Because that connects them to something that they long for more than anything else. Where everything will ultimately be good again. And I believe we did make it. This is our last one. Ready? Put it up on the screen. Ready? Let's all do this together. Let's do it quick. Ready? Ready? All good. All bad. All paid. Let's pray. Last time, all good, all bad, all paid. Let's pray. Bow your heads and hearts. Father, thank you for tonight. This is not a, a program that, that we're going to just simply put in the back of our minds and deliver to people and get them saved. But this is a process for us to begin to understand the beautiful story of your unfolding plan of redemption. Father, I pray for everyone who's here tonight, everyone who has a heart,
for evangelism, a heart for people, that they would be so excited to begin to, to, to get a handle on how we're going to communicate with this culture in a way that, that meets them right where they are. And then by your grace brings them to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with us now in our small groups. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said. All right, let's go. Men to the fellowship hall. Ladies here, all good, all bad, all paid. Let's pray. Go get them.